Welcome, everybody, into a very special Inside LAFC. I am very excited about this program, and you will see why the playoffs are right around the corner. We'll be starting this weekend, so I've put together a roundtable with the finest people I know covering Major League Soccer. They also uh, cover the teams that finished in the top two spots in the West and the East, but we'll be talking about all these topics. And we'll also look back at the challenges that as broadcasters, we faced our perspective with regards to how this MLS season went. So without further ado, and I'm going to start with the Hall of Famers, but I'll get down to everyone because I figure that's what we have to do. I'll begin with JP Della Camera, the voice of the Philadelphia Union. He also is with Fox's uh, World Cup coverage on the men and women's side. He's also the coolest man in the sport and the Colin Jose Media Hall of Famer. Congratulations on that. And thanks for joining us, JP. Max, my pleasure to be on with you, Christian, Casey, and Nate. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia Union surprised a lot of people this year by winning the Supporters' Shield, but it's been a year that none of us, I'm sure, will ever forget. And, you know, when the season started, people wanted to know who the picks were. And I thought, you know, in the East, based on last year, I thought, you know, Atlanta and NYCFC. That didn't work out so well for, for my thought. Of course, I didn't know Joseph Martinez would get hurt. But I thought Philadelphia and Toronto were in that next group. And then all bets were off when it went into that bubble, right? Nobody knew did it favor the, the teams with the younger legs, the veterans, uh, the guys who were together more. But I always thought it came down to who treated it the best, right? Because we were all in the sure. situation, not, not just players, coaches, broadcasters, right? We all had to a, had a live through COVID. And, and how did we all handle it as individuals? You know, the team that handled it the best, I thought, did the best. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, this is all part of this crazy season and how people adapted and did well. And we will get into that here. Let me now welcome in Casey Keller, National Soccer Hall of Famer. I didn't do this by design, but, you know, if you have these Hall of Famers, I'm going to put it over the top. Casey obviously works as part of the broadcast team with the Seattle Sounders. None of your playing days got you on this panel. I just want to know, Casey, it's your fine you. work as a broadcaster. Thank you. Uh, that's <laughs> It's nice to know, Max. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, it, it, you're right. I mean, it is, it's been an interesting season uh, all around from the stop start from the first few matches where, you know, then they started and a complete shutdown and then into the MLS's back and then phase two, three, four, whatever you, whatever MLS is uh, elected to call them. Um, Obviously difficult for the players having to have multiple preseasons being thrown into matches when they've only had, you know, maybe a week or two back. Uh, the situations where different states had different regulations based on who could then, you know, advance from uh, small sided uh, to full team workouts to. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the success also, I think, came from whose state's mandates were were something different and they were able to go into you know different levels of training. So. So, yeah, I think everybody's kind of adapted MLS then having to go to charter flights. I can't wait till the guys have to go back to middle seats and coach um, next year <laughs> when things open up. So they'll be looking forward to that, I'm sure. So, yeah, it is. It's been interesting. Then look at some of the Canadian teams who had to go on, you know, uh, kind of uh, – double lockdowns right they had to go into Orlando and then come back into their training camps in uh, in the states and and then and then JP I'm sorry to to burst the Philadelphia bubble uh -oh. but supporter, shield, right. supporter shield with a asterisk um, ah. 
No asterisks here. No asterisks <laughs> well, here. No, I mean, look, and, and, and I, don't get me wrong. I really thought even in, in you know, when I first saw uh, Philly in MLS's back in Orlando, I was really impressed with the, the team spirit, the way they fought for so much. But it, it's tough to have a supporter shield where it's supposed to be the example of you know the collective and when you only played nine teams it's kind of rough like take example the west you know kansas city wins the west and the sounders never played kansas city once uh in this whole season so there is some interesting to this but still the rules are the rules and philadelphia congratulations on the first trophy uh but it is a an interesting season, let's just say. Jeez, Keller, you're shots at everyone here. Although he was right, very, he's very to be honest. I mean, I know that's a tough thing in, we should have, in America sometimes is to understand where we sit. But, we we uh, should have called it the Pacific Division, the Mountain Division, like yeah. the old NBA. But Nate Bucati, Bucati, who joins us here. Nate, he took a shot at you there with Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, we didn't no, play. But... First things that. first, I'm not in any Hall of Fames, but I'm hoping for the Bishop Ward High School phone call someday <laughs> that I might make the little Catholic High School Hall of Fame. I don't I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. I do want you guys to know, though, that, uh, look, if you're like me and Christian and you're not a Hall of Famer, you clearly have to put yourself in a room with some books to make it appear that you read. So you have some credentials. I had, I don't know about you, Christian. I had to go get these at a used bookstore, you know, just to <laughs> fill the thing up. And I also want you guys to know that since apparently in MLS now, uh, we're going to have to change it to MLF because every become everybody's an FC nowadays. I've got my sporting Kansas city football helmet here just because, you know, we're playing football in America. It's a nice looking so, helmet. Yeah, with, with all that being said, um, yes, we're very aware in Kansas City that we didn't play anybody because everybody's <laughs> been reminding us, you didn't play Seattle, you didn't play Portland, you didn't play L.A., either of them, you didn't play San Jose, and, uh, you know, that's the good thing about being in flyover country is you live with a massive chip on your shoulder at all times, screaming at everybody that we exist, and, uh, and now, you know, sporting has to go out and try to prove that they exist in these playoffs. That's a, that is a rallying cry if I ever heard one. And if it makes you feel any better, Nate, you know, I went to Florida State. I get stuff from my university. I follow my high school on Twitter. They don't follow me. I've reached out to them. I don't know what I did, but there's no Hall of Fame coming from that high school. I saw some of those frat photos. So there, I there it was. There it was. Yeah. Last but certainly not least, the man who does an incredible job, and he's our eyes and ears in Canada, TSN analyst. Uh, he does it all also as a reporter great at the desk and you will be a hall of famer i'm sure at tsn here soon enough christian <laughs> and you're obviously here we brought you in because of toronto fc second best niece but you have an eye on the canadian teams and i want to start with you on something that casey touched on and anytime a mls club would complain i know lfc we did and we go oh we can't have this or, or other clubs did the same i'd say stop what you're doing if anyone has a right to complain it's those canadian teams in particular vancouver who are isolated but this had to be uh for this season this regular season to be wrapped up it was a herculean effort for those canadian clubs yeah no question it's been so tough great to be on with all of you guys it's a pleasure for me um you know you mentioned the white caps there that you know they they spent 100 days in a hotel this season you know that's think think about that Crazy. for a second you know they you know even all four teams playing home games away from home you know and i do think as we look forward here if you're toronto fc you know they're 
a lot of their record during this era of success in the last four seasons has come because of what they made BMO Field, which was a true fortress. That now throws out the side uh, away from it as well. Say what you want about Wrenchler Field in Hartford and they can put TFC signs up and play the music all they want. It's not home, you know? And so now they, if they want to win MLS Cup, they have to do something no team has ever done in MLS history. And that's win four games in a row away from home in the playoffs because that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to have to win it. They're not playing at home. So it has been an, a, major, a major struggle for TFC um, and for all the teams. I think TFC have handled it the best, clearly, by looking at the standings. They have the resources to do that. They spend more money. They've recruited better than the other two teams. The Whitecaps are not anywhere close to the level at TFC in their, for, in their development. And for Montreal, it was just a matter of just getting in. You know, Thierry Henry told us that this week. Ultimately, say what you want about 10 teams getting in from the East, finishing ninth. This is a team that hasn't kicked it a playoff ball since that crazy wet night when I got drenched at BMO Field, that amazing TFC Montreal series back in 2016. Oh, so, yeah, classic. But Montreal haven't kicked a playoff ball since then. That's too long. So they're in and they're playing with house money. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a, a crazy season, as you alluded to. And, you know, my hat just goes off to everybody inside these, these Canadian teams who've had to live away from home. We'll talk about the playoffs and guys jump in freely and I'll, I'll open it up with you JP and everyone just jump in uh, if there if there's if you have a follow up comment but we'll as we we'll talk about the postseason but just the regular season we touched on it a little bit and the challenges not only games rescheduled canceled postponed not only just for COVID uh, the Black Players for Change movement came up and that that one day where all the games were postponed it, it was a season like we've never seen I. I hope we don't see a season like this again, not to proliferate it to this level. But all in all, for me, and JP, you can follow up here. The fact that, you know, I had my doubts with Major League Soccer. I go, there's no way. They, can they pull this off? They really, they pulled it off from MLS's back, showed a good protocol system. It's far from perfect. But the fact with almost all the teams able to hit the tape with 22 games, I looked at the standings and go, how did, they, I mean, how did we get here? But yeah. they managed the way to do it. No, hats off to them, Max, for, for getting it done. They even had doubts themselves, right, because they didn't announce the rest of the schedule, right? They did yeah. it piecemeal once they came back from the um, MLS's back tournament. So uh, they may have had some quiet confidence, you know, be behind the uh, closed doors. But if they had the full confidence, they would have sent out a schedule, right? So um, I understand, I mean... Philadelphia didn't play this year, as I, as I remember, didn't get to play Atlanta, and they really wanted to this year because Atlanta really struggled. They played New England four times, um, and then there were some teams, some other teams that they never faced. Like uh, I think the first two games, first two games they were going to play were West Coast teams, and then that was the end of the West Coast, right? Never saw them, never saw them after that. So credit MLS for, for getting it done. I think we all had doubts. Um, it is what it is. They even had to go to the, the points per game system, right? Just to get Colorado in. I mean, how did Colorado, you know, they only played 18 games. Like how good are they? How do we know? Right. And my, my question to you guys, there's always an upset, right? In MLS cup playoffs. What the hell would be an upset now? Right? Because <laughs> we don't know. Like when you look at some of these matchups, right? Who's really the favorite? Yeah, you could say that so-and-so finished above them in the standings, but are they better? Or did they just take better advantage of the situation that we had, you know, with COVID or, or the loss of international players? Or uh, did did Nate Kansas City, are they, are they better because they didn't play against Seattle? Like, who's better? How do we know what a, what a real 
upset is. Yeah, Herc and I were talking about this the other day, and, and, and we were just saying that, you know, when they were kind of asking uh, who, you know, who are your favorites? And you said, well, how can you even judge who a favorite is? Because nobody's played, you know, when, when you've kind of gone through a full normal season and you've seen everybody at different times in their form and, and where they're at, uh, and you could say, okay, look, you played them in April, but look how they made a couple signings in, in July, and now look at where they're moving. But there really is, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Sounders, you know, one week, you know, beat San Jose 7-1, and then three weeks later, they play him again, and it's nil-nil. So, but you didn't just keep playing the same teams over and over again. I think Sounders went through a stretch where they played the same five teams, you know, over a, over mm -hmm. a eight-week, nine-week period, and you're just kind of going, well, where's the judgment in that? So, yeah, JP, it is. It's one of those things where it really, it's a, it's a coin toss. I look at a, at a team like Colorado who had a five week break to rest up, get fit, have a, a good point, have a three match preseason before the playoffs, won three games in a row. Uh, and then now they're probably the hottest team going into the playoffs. So it is, it's a, it's a very interesting and uh, you, you know, we, we talked, you know, before we started about the players that are going to be missing now for that first round of the playoffs because of international quarantine. Tell me the last time you had to deal with that. Oh, not only are they fatigued coming back, but now they can't even come because they got to go into some quarantine protocol. So yeah, it, it does. It definitely throws that uh, the playoffs uh, a whole new monkey wrench for sure. It feels a little to me like college football where you have these strong opinions about which conference yeah. is better um, yeah, there's different styles maybe in each conference. And all of a sudden these teams that have been playing in their little regions are going to get thrown into a playoff and we'll see how they match up with one another. That's going to be interesting. I I'd throw one other thing guys on what to me has made it so hard to evaluate just for specifically me watching sporting Kansas city every week. There's never been a stretch this year where it was just a game every weekend where you got to see what does this team look like once they get the, the relatively the same 11 guys on the field and a week and of training. Start, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they, and they have a week to prepare and they're in some kind of flow. There was no flow, right? You're, you're either in a tournament in a bubble or for sporting, it was for a while. It was like nine games in 30 days and yeah. it's a different, you know, rotation every single game. Cause you got a midweek game. You're trying to, I mean, they got half the kids out there are Academy kids trying to just, hold down the fort in this game until you get to the next one, or then it's one game, two weeks off. And again, there just was zero flow to it whatsoever. So that made it that much more difficult. And then I'll just bring it home with this guys for us. I came down with COVID a few days before the last game of the regular season, which was decision day in Salt Lake city. And if anything summed up what 2020 was like for us, I called that match from right here in my basement off this computer monitor with Jacob Peterson in his basement. And we'd never tried that technology before. And then there is a driving snowstorm and I'm trying to of make course out there is. Guys <laughs> are on the field. There's an orange ball trailing all over the place. You know what though? We pulled it off and, and everybody said, Hey man, the broadcast actually worked pretty well. And that kind of is, that was like, boy, that's a microcosm of 2020 right there. You've got a million things thrown at you. And I think everybody ought to be kind of proud that we even got to this point right now. 
Yeah, I, I just finished taping our MLS preview show on TSN, and I said that, you know, this is 2020. Nothing can surprise me in MLS playoffs. Quite frankly, nothing. If we end up getting a San Jose final playing Nashville, nothing nothing will shock me anymore uh, because that's where we're at. I don't think that's going to happen. But look, <laughs> the way 2020 said anything to us, why should we be surprised by anything? I do think on that note that, the way that Major League Soccer is right now, I think we're starting to get a little bit closer to the European football soccer model where there's the has, haves and the has-nots. And a lot of that is down to, obviously, the resources, the finances that you throw at players. A lot of it is down to some organizations are just smarter than others. They recruit better. They evaluate better. The analyticals, the analytical numbers are there. But I think this year, if a team is going to be a true heavyweight, maybe it's this year. If they can go on a run... I mean, last year we thought going to the one-legged playoff games, I'm personally a fan of the two legs, but we thought last year with the one-legged playoff games that, okay, maybe a coin flip here, you know, Seattle almost, you know, they were brilliant. They deserved the champions, but they won. They almost went out in the first game. That game was a crazy game. Uh, the same 2016, they almost lost in that first game with Valdez getting the goal late. One game, anything can happen. So I think now throw that in there as well, that look, a team, anybody could win this, guys. A team could go what? on and run. And then look at what, you know, who knows what we could have. We could have you know, high seeds, you know, Casey, in, in, in the MLS Cup come December 12th. But the one thing that I did like seeing about these, this uh, tight schedule was there's been this rhetoric uh, in America, and I don't know if it's the same in Canada or not, but where players somehow can't play midweek games. Uh, it's amazing how Ronaldo, Messi, guys making a hundred million a year aren't taking <laughs> champions league games off and then not playing in the league the next day. They're playing 70 games a season and they've been doing it for the last 15 years, but somehow some 20 year old American kid needs to take a break at, at midweek because he can't handle the load, you right. know? And you're just like, no, that, this is the world game. This is how it's played. And, 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 and stop making excuses. Go out there and, and tell your manager, tell your club, no, I'm, I'm playing. And, and I mean, I saw, I saw stuff late in the season, teams fighting to get in the playoffs, and they make seven, eight changes yeah. and then lose <laughs> and true. don't make playoffs. Guess what happens in the rest of the world? You get fired when that happens. Yep. Because you made a stupid decision, you didn't make the playoffs, and now you're out. Um, so, look, I want to see our sport be held accountable uh, exactly the way the rest of the world holds yeah. it accountable. And hey, I, I love Casey. That yeah, I love, Casey, I, I agree. I agree, Casey, with what you're saying, but I have a question for you, um, more from a knowledge standpoint. Why does a team like, let's say, Toronto, and Christian may know this better than any of us here, you know, they're saying a lot of these injuries are related to the schedule. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Philadelphia didn't have many injury problems at all. Uh, some teams didn't. Some teams did like three games and eight nights, three and nine nights. Like why did some teams handle it, let's say, better from an injury standpoint than others? Well, of course, it's going to happen. I mean, you're going to you're going to have that load. But it's also a case of 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 how you you stretch. I mean, when you when you're playing those games that often, you're barely training, right? right? You're just kind of ticking over, you know, your, your fitness is coming in your games and it's how you just load those players and how well they're able to, to cope with it. I mean, in the rest of the world, if you're not fit to play, they find somebody who is. 
you know, you see it all the time. How many times do you hear about a player who kind of disappears from the mainstream because he just couldn't consistently get himself fit as a manager, as a coach, as a, as a, as an owner, as whoever, if I can't count on a guy that, that he can play week in and week out with the odd break. Yeah. Maybe the, you know, the sixth, the, the sixth game in two and a half weeks, three weeks, maybe then there's a, there's a break, but then that player at the same time was probably saying, look, why, why am I sitting out? I'm, I'm, I'm here to play. And I think sometimes JP, it's a mindset that you're mm-hmm. telling these kids from day one, they can't do it. So now they have it in their head that they can't do it. And yeah, it, it blows me away because I never saw that. I never saw anybody take a break in Europe. You, you didn't, because if you didn't play your best players and you lost the game, you got fired. Yeah. These guys are playing meaningless friendly, some of them, the guys you're talking about, international well, stars. Then, then those are the guys that aren't getting the games, are then playing in those friendlies so they can keep a fitness level. So mm-hmm. if they are called upon, uh, so it is, it's, it's an interesting mindset that one I hope that we can change because then what happens? Let's say you sell a kid, you send him to Europe and this kid, first thing he says is, hey, can I have a break this weekend? And the coach says, sure, have a break for the next three months. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think it's going to, I mean, this will obviously benefit when we get to normal with these guys and they've seen how, to your point, Casey, it is that you play two games a week uh, and that this is what is required. It, it, does it go back to normal or did, I mean, we have to take a, a lot away from this and many things for the better. And, and Christian, I'll, I'll bring up to you because I know you, you were in agreement with, uh, with Casey and then uh, JP jumped in there as well. But uh, just to talk about how this league comes out of this and how we view games, players, injuries, the lot. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I'm totally on board with it. You know, I've been quite vocal on, for me, that the next step for Major League Soccer in terms of the development and that big goal that they talk about of being a top five league in the world, for me, is making every game matter. Every game matter. You've got to make it more competitive. And, you know, for me, that that's to Katie's point, is play, play games quicker, then you can do things with the structure better. Players always want to play anyway. It's the coaches that will tell you they need more time on the training ground to work on these. The players want to play the games. Um, you know, maybe there's things that we can learn from this season where we can regionalize a little bit. I know that a lot of teams, not just Canadian teams, have told me that they actually enjoyed flying in the day of the game. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed flying in the day of the game and flying out. That's something they really enjoyed doing. In the past, they didn't want to do that because they didn't want to get stuck on it. But so it depends. But that for me is, is something they can look at going forward as well that can certainly help them. But for me, it's that value. You know, you talk about Europe, you talk, and I know they've got promotion and relegation, and that's a whole different thing, whether people agree with it here. But to Casey's point, that every game matters. So that those players need to play in those games. You know, Leicester City is a great example. They won the Premier League, and everyone said it was one of the greatest shocks in the history of sport. They won the Premier League because of continuity. There was hardly, there was hardly any changes to that lineup the entire season. They had the least amount of changes ever for any English domestic championship in the Premier League era. And that was something that the coach just, you just keep playing the players. They don't have to play in Europe. They just keep playing the players every week. And here we are in major league soccer, where you've got teams playing 34 games in a regular season. They're not playing another 25 games with the European champions games. This is their competition. They should, you should have, you know, you should have more players playing every game for me. They're just, they're just not, they're not, they're not at that level yet. But I think that's for me is to push the league forward that, 
to, to, to drive the league forward in the standard. I want to see the best players playing every week. One of my favorite moments, and I know you've got it on your warm, on your rundown, one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the season right now, you know, you, you asked because it, it was there. One of my favorite moments came at MLS's back tournament. Seattle played LAFC. And I know LAFC won 4-1 that day and they demolished them. But that level of football, that level of soccer that day was like watching a top-class Premier League game in an MLS's back tournament with no fans. The pressing LAFC put on that day, the way Rodriguez and Rossi played, how Seattle tried to combat them in the second half. That's what I want to see every week. I want to see the best players playing every week. And that's, to me, the next step, Nate, and what needs to happen in MLS. You know what would help that? Say again? Incentivize in the contract. Ah. Yeah. So guess what? You, you, how many times, I mean, have you seen oh, this player had a little hamstring injury when he didn't want to fly to Houston in August. Um, guess what? Guess what if he had a $5,000 appearance fee in, in part of his contract to go to that game? Missed a couple games, and then his wife says, um, what happened to the money this month when that check came around? And he goes, well, I just, oh, my hamstring was hurting a little bit. I didn't feel like you know, making that trip to Houston. Maybe there'd be a little bit more pressure to, oh, and then when the coach says, oh, by the way, I want to play this kid. And the veteran goes, hell no, you're not playing that kid. Uh, I'm playing. And, and then prove it every week that you're playing. But no, you get some guys coming over, everything's guaranteed. And next thing you know, you're on cruise control. One thing that I guess to play a little bit of devil's advocate, which I hesitate to do in a room full of Hall of Famers, um, but I will say this, you know, sporting Kansas City this year, I was stunned when I looked at the stats at the end of the year and Peter Vermees guys, Peter Vermees, I believe led MLS in substitute minutes played in 2020 and I don't know if you guys know this, but I mean, here in Kansas city, he gets hammered by the fans on a consistent basis for not subbing and not rotating his roster. They've claimed for a long time that his team does kind of, you know, run out of gas at the end of seasons and things like that, because he's been less willing to rotate the squad. And this year he's rotated it more than ever. Now it might be the unbalanced schedule, but they did end up with the, you know, the, the most points in the Western conference. And I agree, Casey, with your, your overall point, especially watching European soccer, the, the, the thoroughbreds, they play every game. They are out there. But you do hear a lot of squads. You know when the, when the English teams are going to have a big run in the Champions League, you will hear the term squad rotation thrown out there a little bit. And I do think one of the other areas that Major League Soccer has struggled in compared to those great leagues is the drop-off from your first-choice guy to the guy that you're bringing in. And for Sporting Kansas City, they, they played some young academy guys this year. They played them just very limited minutes. And they didn't ask him to go out there and carry the game. You know, but like say a veteran Roger Espinosa this year, he played half of a lot of games this year, 33 years old. And it seemed like the drop-off wasn't from here to here this time around. Like the guys they brought in, the academy guys they brought in now, like, they belong on the field. They don't seem to me like they uh, are just being given minutes because they're young guys. They're being, they're earning those minutes and playing. And I guess there's maybe a little bit of medium. I don't know where you think about that, Casey, but I do think major league soccer needs to get to that point where there's that depth in the roster that when you do go to the bench, you've got a legit 
MLS caliber player that's coming in that can be at the level that Christian just talked about in a big game. So what I would like to see with that is right now the mechanisms are in place so you can pay three to four guys. Right. Um, you know, Man City, remember, has a payroll that's about 20 million more than the Yankees. Right. So when you talk about squad depth, it makes it a lot easier when you've got, you know, $200 million a season in salaries that you can also push out however the way you want to. It's mm -hmm. not saying, oh, you can pay this guy 100 million, this guy 50 million, this guy 30 million, and guess what? 5 million now covers the rest of your squad. Mm -hmm. So I think if MLS wants that and want, then, then they have to come up with some sort of cap system that they can spread out uh, more evenly to then to be able to build the squad that you're talking about. Otherwise you are, you're going to see a massive drop-off between uh, you know, your, once you get past 13, 14 players. And then obviously you're hoping that you get a kid come through on 60 grand a year uh, that can do a number for you before you have to find a way in your cap to be able to pay them and, and move things around. And there's the reason why your coaches don't make those changes because they know they're not there. They'd make the changes if they had it, but they know who am I going to put in? I'm going to put in a guy that I'm paying 62 grand a year, or am I going to keep a guy on the pitch that's making 700 grand a year? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, that's the problem. If I had a kid, or if I had that, that ability to pay my squad and then I, then I can build a team right now, I'm building five or six individuals. And then I'm hoping that I can fill the void with five or six individuals. And, and hey, it's one of, it's one of the reasons Casey, why I think we struggled in CONCACAF champions league. I mean, part of that is yep. the season, the season we played in favors, the Mexican teams. But when you look at the depth of a very good Mexican team, uh, it's no comparison to what we see in MLS. There's not as big of a drop when a Monterey or a Club America or whoever the team is that's in there right. goes to their bench. And, and until we can do that, I, I still think we're at a disadvantage because we're not in form the way the Mexican teams yeah. are when they play. True. But I still think part of that is the depth on your yeah, roster. Sure. The Mexican clubs do spend more money so that there's less of a drop when the regular goes out and the sub comes in. Well, we still have this thought process that we have to spend that on marketing. Um, and that if I don't spend a bunch of money on this singular player, nobody's going to come to the match. Uh, You're talking uh, about getting a player that's going to put tickets, put butts right. in the seat, that kind of marketing. Okay. Right. You know, so, so yeah. So the, the point is, is can you make a player, right? Can you then can, if, if he comes and plays well, it doesn't matter. I, I didn't have to know him beforehand because there's enough people that just have an interest. The club is number one, always the players number. Two. I don't, yeah. I mean, that's great. If I can get the odd person to come into the stadium to go watch an individual player, but for the most part, you're a fan of the club. And then, Oh, here's a kid. Oh, who's this guy? Look how well he's played. Oh, he scored some goals. Great. Now he becomes somebody that nobody had heard of before. I don't, I don't need to, to go out there if it fits and, and it works great for your side and you have the money. Okay, great. But, but not at the expense of, of just destroying your whole team. It comes down to scouting, right? I mean, that, oh, that's where I do think MLS in 2020 has improved. I yep. think that when you think about the small markets, smaller markets now, and I, and I think of a Reynoso in Minnesota, I think of a Pulido in sport in Kansas city. You think of Zella Ryan in Columbus, these guys are going out spending money on these players 
and the difference makers in markets that weren't spending that money before. And that's pushing MLS forward now. And I think that's a, a really important factor. It's not, and, and it, but you've got to make sure, and it's a big question, you've got to get it right. Because yeah. if you're one of those- You get one shot guys, at it, you get one you shot get usually. that guy and he's not the guy, then it just sets you back. It, you know, you need a culture setter on and off the field. If, if, if you're not going to get that right guy, then, you, then you're, in a, you're in big, big trouble in those markets. TFC, sometimes Seattle, some of these markets, some of these, sometimes you can make mistakes and you can get away with it. TFC this year, I've made the playoffs again, and Josie Altador has played you know, less than 40% of minutes this season because of injuries. And they've got away with it because of the, they've, they've had an ability to spend and recruit and spend a combined 25 million over four years on the likely MVP of the season, Alejandro Pozuelo, who's carried the team in games. But if they didn't have Pozuelo and they didn't have Altador, you, I, I wouldn't be on your show right now. <laughs> it's true it's first of all this is incredible we did a playoff preview and now we're doing a a, a podcast where we're fixing the league and this is some good work gentlemen we're rolling <laughs> up our sleeves uh i i think uh, the development of these young players lafc had a guy take the a kid take the field it was 15 he played pretty well eric duenas and uh, seeing that i think that's going to help their development uh with regards to uh how this league approaches it you know the chicharito situation if they, they missed it. They missed on that. And the Galaxy now are in major turmoil as how do they prepare. But is this, and I, we'll get to the last two last questions and we'll wrap it up. But is this, is this a moment in time where you think MLS has to look and say, all right, let's survey the landscape. Uh, this is an awful year. We've lost a ton of money. Clubs have lost a ton of money, but so is Liga MX. This is a league that we're going to be in bed with, not only with Conquer of Champions League, but it would appear more and more competitions uh, do they do and the the cba is obviously another issue but how do we tinker this to where these clubs have that ability to close the gap are we getting is there going to be a moment in time or is it business as usual in 2021 well i think there's a couple things max and one is when you think of the big leagues they make you know roughly 80 85% of their revenue comes from a TV contract. MLS makes between four and 5% on a TV contract. Uh, the smaller clubs in those big leagues then make, they make up the difference on a 40% to 50% on selling players. MLS on average makes about two to 3% of their revenue from selling players. So there's an interesting business model that if they want to then catch it up, look, I, I want to give the owners an absolute ton of credit for, you know, reaching into their pockets and making sure that this season went on because when 95% of your revenue comes from match day experience and you have no match day experience, you have to make up that, that, that number someplace else. And it's, and it's obviously coming from the owner's bank accounts. So, you know, to put this season on, it's different. The Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, you know, these leagues where they have such huge TV contracts, you know, can, can make up some of that difference by just playing. MLS isn't like that. So they've had to do things in a completely different manner to make sure that this league goes on. Now, will that change them? Look, we know that the expansion fees they're not going to expand anymore i mean they're pretty much you know overexpanded as it is so now they need to find ways to make that revenue like the rest of the world does and it's going to have to be with selling players 
And, and so does that come then into the player development and, and, and getting guys through your system and, and finding younger players in other countries? But remember, you're also going up against, you know, this isn't the NFL. that has The world, no- yeah. You're going up against some scouting programs and some bank accounts that you can't compete with. So then that makes uh, your infrastructure to be, you know, needs to be that much better. You know, one thing I'll tell you guys a little anecdote uh, to back up on Casey's point here. Um, Elie Sanchez, one of my favorite all-time people that Sporting Kansas City's had, he went home because his his dad was was battling cancer right after the the MLS's back tournament. Peter Vermees said, "Take as much time with him as you need." So he was back in Barcelona for a month, and Elie was the team captain for Barcelona B for a couple of seasons. He grew up in the academy there. He knows everybody. And when he came back, he actually called me up and he said, I want you to know something. While I was there, some of my friends in the scouting department at Barcelona called me and asked me to come meet with them because they wanted to talk about a couple of the sporting Kansas city Academy kids that are playing. Now you can probably guess who those guys are and some of the other players in the league. And he said, look, that was never a conversation back in the day. Let's take a look at these American kids. They were going to have to go somewhere else in Europe to prove they could even exist in those lower level leagues in Europe before Barcelona would even consider them. He said, not only now are they considering those players for a jump straight to Barcelona, they want to find American players because they think there is actually a marketing component to it. And because of the performances of the Alfonso Davieses of the world, they actually, they were asking Elie, do you think some of these kids are ready to come play at Barcelona right now? He told me his answer to them was yes. Now, not every kid that's going to get sold you know, like Brendan Aronson's not going to maybe get sold straight to Barcelona. But Casey, to your point, if those guys go to Europe and continue to have success, then the door has started to get kicked down a little bit. And Major League Soccer has got to take advantage of that. They have to take advantage of that opportunity and they have to sell those kids for good money and reinvest that in the organization, sometimes bringing in players but also in developing the next young players and make this more attractive to the young kids to yeah. stay in the academies. So you as well. need more players to have success. So if you if you have more of the Alfonso Davies, where you buy a player out of a league and then they're successful, the problem that MLS had for a stretch was a group of players got sold and they failed. Mm-hmm. So then the stigma was the players coming out of MLS weren't ready. So then you start now, if you start to see some players maybe going to, you know, not maybe the top four leagues, but going to some of the other leagues, but then you put a sell on after that. So you go to a Reggie Cannon goes to Boa Vista, does well, but then FC Dallas gets 30% of the sell on from Boa Vista. You know, now you're starting to build some momentum. And if you can then get a few guys that can break through and jump straight out of MLS and be successful uh, at, you know, Premier League, Bundesliga clubs, you know, now it starts to bring more, uh, uh, more vision, you know, more teams. And I think the one thing Claudio Reyna told me years ago was now with the internet, every big youth game, is watched by clubs all over the world. 
So that's why Barcelona can now see what's going on with the sporting yeah. Kansas City. That was never available before. Think of the resources you would have had to put out to be able to scout the way that they can scout now. And they just thought, well, to pick up maybe the odd player, is it worth it? Well, now they know they can go out and, and watch all these games and say, hmm, I see something with this kid, Gio Reyna. Maybe when he's 15, 16, now I can keep an eye on him. So it is, it's, it's going to make it even more difficult at times in different ways, because as, as you know, with the labor laws, the, the way they work in America, they can grab one of these kids at 17 and sign a contract for when he's 18 years old, he can go to Europe and the club will get basically not zilch yeah yeah it's a it's a perception thing too right the perception of the league is is increasing around the world you know you mentioned alfonso you know i spoke to european scouts who who knew alfonso when he was a young man and he was playing in the in the dallas youth cup and you know people at manchester united like i'm not buying a guy from canada why would i buy from canada for and then you know you play in mls okay you watch him in mls and he starts performing at a high level but you're not going to evaluate that player at a high level if you don't evaluate the play that he's playing in at a high level so if you're looking at that uh, if you're looking at that field and you think okay well he looks really good there but you have no trust at all in the league that they're playing in then you're like well how do i know how does that translate to what he can play over here and so it's that comes back to the point about continuing to raise the standard that's why i love the fact that we have players like brian rodriguez and diego rossi players like that now playing in mls you know, at, at Otto West are just three LAFC players right there that, yes, you could take those players right now and they could play in a European league. Of and, course they could. And Christian, you know? the, the minute that uh, Alfonso Davies walked through that Bayern door, his, uh, this is, a, I, I think, an issue you have to look at. The minute he walked through that Bayern door and played a game, his valuation doubled, tripled, just because, to your point exactly. And I don't know how we close that gap where we go, we'll offer uh, this bigger transfer fee say, based on what we've seen at MLS it changes exponentially because he played a, some good games with Bayern Munich. Yeah, no, no question about it. Look, that, that Alfonso Davies discussion is talked about on a daily basis here in Canada <laughs> on the soccer culture level. And the key now is, as I speak to lots of people, is that it is, it is a, a player that excelled because of the mentality, right? So he went from the white, the white caps where he was one of the best players in the, in the team. And the day he walked in Bayern Munich, he was the worst player at the team. Yeah. Right. So how do you go from being the best player in a culture to be the worst and then start developing the culture? And suddenly those players, World Cup winners, world class players, Lewandowski, Muller, Thiago, all of them started to look at this guy and go, what can this guy do for me? Mm. I can trust him now. He's getting to the level of us. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're not. He showed. And and quickly, JP, the thing is that, that has to happen here is that with people at TFC in Canada now, people talk about the next one at TFC, Jekyll Marshall, Rudy or Jaden Nelson. They look at Alfonso Davis and go, okay, I could be that player. But that, yeah. the, the, the amount of work that has to go in from that, where they are right now, where they're not even getting regular minutes playing at MLS to mm. get to that <laughs> level is enormous, absolutely yeah. enormous. And that comes back to the whole point to put about it, to Casey's point earlier about playing regularly, performing level at the high standard, scouts watch you and then go, yes, I can trust this league. And I can equate that now to what we're doing. Same with, same with Reggie Cannon into the yeah. example you used earlier. I was going to say, we're not far off when you can get $6 million for Brendan Aronson, who's only been a, a regular for two years, right? He came through the academy, I think it was age 11. Jim Curtin's known him since then. It was $6 million. Um, reportedly, he has another $3 million in easily attainable bonuses that the club can capture. 
and then uh, a future stake in another sale. So you could be looking at $10 million for somebody that's only played a couple of years. Now, if he goes over there, he's under the right coach in, in Jesse Marsh. If he does do well, that increases uh, the appetite for those clubs to try to get somebody else. I think that uh, Mark McKenzie's probably the next guy that's going to go over. We keep reading about Kai Wagner maybe going to Europe. There's interest in our guys. We just have to do, do it on a more consistent basis. It has to start somewhere. Uh, the Davies thing was incredible, absolutely incredible on so many levels in two different countries uh, in all of North America, what he did for it. And the fact that he played as well as he did only helps MLS and their, and their cause and their case to move forward. But JP, there also has to be a realization um, from MLS uh, what the price of that player is. There's a Correct. reason why they're being looked at because they think they can get them for a number that makes sense as a gamble. Um, because to get that player out of the Bundesliga that's already proved himself at that level is yeah. going to be 30 million. So yep. we can 30 to 40 to 50 million. So if we can get a kid from the U S who we, we, we look at and say, okay, can we get him for a few million? Um, now we're willing to take that gamble. It's good uh, business, right? Yeah. It's good business. Well, that, that is it. But you also have to understand that when you go to a club, you know, and, and, and like I said, Claudio would be a great guy to talk, you know, about geo is, you know, you go to a club like Dortmund at 16, 17, you understand that you're also one of six to eight guys in that position that they signed. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all good. They're all very good. You damn right. They're all good. Yeah. They got signed by Dortmund. Um, yeah. And so it really is a, it's, it turns into hunger games, right? It is who comes <laughs> out the other side and they don't care about the other five. Guess what? If they can, if they can maybe pawn them off and get a little money back by selling them to a second division team, you know, Nate, you just mentioned it. You know, you talked about uh, Ilya. How many players have you heard came from Barcelona B? Yeah, it's a lot oh, list. hell of a lot came from Barcelona B. Not all of them captain for Barcelona. <laughs> or if they did, they played a, a Copa de Rey game at, at some stage. But, oh, he was Barcelona B, and now he's playing in the Austrian second division. Um, that's just – that's the way it works. And Barcelona does not care at all. Hey, Elie thought he was the number six of the future. Everybody had told him that. Then the next thing you know, the manager's fired. Tata Martino comes in and says, I don't rate this guy. I'm bringing in Alex Song. And the next thing you know, Elie's playing in Germany. Yep, you know, incredible. He's got three managers in, in one season in Germany, and now next thing he knows, he's in Kansas City. It happens that fast. It does happen that it, fast. They don't care. It's a <laughs> fickle, it's a fickle sport. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, like a state of MLS has been fantastic, but we're gonna I'll wrap I'm gonna wrap it up a little playoff question and how you think what do you what would you like to see in the next month? And it's a quick ride. I think it starts. I mean, it ends within three weeks and a day, according to my calendar. Uh, obviously, we hope that there are no complications with COVID, uh, which could put this tournament in peril. There's no doubt about it. But I, for one, I'll, I'll start the conversation. If a team wins, whoever wins this tournament, and I know we said at the beginning it could be an asterisk, whoever wins this tournament, history is going to be very kind to because it's all the crazy stuff we talked about. There's going to be a team that said, we won it. 
in the year of COVID. I will remember the Portland Timbers because they won MLS's back and the challenges that that had. But looking at these next three weeks, I think it's, it's going to be a fun ride as there's going to be games on every day. But and I'll start with you, Christian. What, how do you see this tournament going? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I'm just really excited that it's getting going. You know, it's for me, it's, you know, a little bit like a cup competition now. You know, the league table's over. This is a cup game. This is a cup competition. This, you know, let's start. You know, you win four games and you lift the cup. You know, you, you get four matches to play. And for me, you know, every game matters. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit obsessed about penalty shootouts. I love them. So if we can have a few of those, I'd love that. I'll sign up for some penalty shootouts anytime. Um, I, love, I love the mentality of that. And, you know, and I think there's a lot of storylines, as I said earlier, you know, I think there's an opportunity for a team, like I'll name one that I like New York city FC, a team that they can go on a bit of a run. If they, if the, the Orlando game is a massive tricky one for them, but you know, there's teams like that. And there's a few of them who haven't got over that hump and Casey knows what it's like when you're a player that, you know, sometimes you got to learn how to win before you do it or learn how to lose. And they've learned how to lose a lot. But some, and, and, you know, they got bullied in the playoffs, particularly a lot by TFC. And what's that message? Ronnie Dial has come in. Can he change the culture of that club? They've got difference makers like Morales, Medina, Castellanos playing the best football of their careers together. And so I look at things like that. I look at teams like that, that can they go on a run? Philly as well. They're a little bit like that. Now they've learned how to win. They've won something. Can they go to the next level? Or come the 12th of December, we'll be looking at Seattle against CFC again. <laughs> it's 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 that's <laughs> it's sitting there, and that would be my pick if you told me right now. And I'm not I'm not, I'm, I'm saying none of you guys have to make picks because we just don't know. Casey, I know you're picking LAFC though to win the whole thing. Oh, of course. Um, but no, it is it's it is it's interesting for me. It is. I think that's exactly right. What Christian said. It, it's a cup. I mean, it's truly a cup competition this year where teams haven't played each other. Uh, you've played them for the first time, just like if you were, you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough when I was at Millwall, we won some big cup games against Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, you know, to have those opportunities uh, to play against teams that you don't normally play against, uh, come up with a big result when, you know, nobody expects you to get the, get the victory. So I think it is, this, this is definitely set up for, for maybe a team to surprise somebody. And, and then in the end, it'll be Seattle and Toronto. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> certainly sporting's going to hold off LAFC Seattle winner at the end of this Western. <laughs> Western so first playoff. of all, JP, they're saving the best for last. JP's going to yes. close this out. I'm, um, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm listening I would, to everybody. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think it was Jurgen Klopp when when he was trying to get LA, uh, Liverpool to the you know to the English Premier League title. People asked him if there was going to be an asterisk on it. And he said, I don't think it should be an asterisk. It should be a gold star yeah. considering everything that we've been through this year. And, and I, I think I feel that way. Um, I, you know, I was, I was with Casey about the, uh, the supporter shield thing. It just didn't make any sense to me to hand that thing out. And I was, I didn't really have a problem when it sounded like they were going to do away with it. But then when I saw the comments of Greg Vanny, um, he changed my mind. He really did because I, I understand it's different. I understand that the schedules are unbalanced and it doesn't represent the same thing that it always does. But, you know, we're asking these guys to go out and play this game and assume some risk for themselves and their family. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're asking them to do this. And then to turn around and tell them that it didn't count, that's, that, that is tough. And, and I do... 
uh, when he said it with the passion that he said it, I thought that's what competition is about, right? When you go out to play, you go out because it means something. Um, and it means something to be the winner. And now, look, home field advantage might not have been decided completely fairly. That's true. But what we do get now is everybody's going to get a chance at everybody else. And everybody's had to navigate different unique sets of challenges and circumstances and problems. I guarantee you that if you wanted to use it as a question, Max, list the top 10 biggest challenges that your team has had to face. None of us would have had a difficult time coming up with 10 challenges that our team that we've covered has had to face. Right. And so those teams are here now. And I think sporting Kansas city is good enough to win it, but I'll say this. I think San Jose is a banana skin that you don't want to have in front of you. Oh, we saw plenty of them. We don't, it, oh, yeah. You know, it, it could, yeah, yeah, maybe. You just don't, straight. you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know. And so uh, it, it, to go back to, to Christian's point, won't be surprised by anything that happens, but I do say this and I want to say it in front of time in case sporting wins it. I'm going to, I'm going to brag about that team like crazy. So if they don't win it, you guys can hold me to it. Whoever wins this thing, I think deserves a gold star. So Nate, wow. I think Vanny had a half a million dollar bonus for winning the supporter shield. Casey, and he got to play. He got to play Montreal and Vancouver six times each, and thought, "I'm never going to have a better game." Casey, that half a million dollars. At the end, of the, day, at like the, end of the day, the shield didn't even get awarded anyway. It was a toy. Yeah, <laughs> it was they a, got it was the a real one now. They the got real the real one they've got now. JP, bring, JP, bring us on home. This okay. was done by design. Your the yeah. final word. This is um, those are tough acts to follow. I must say. Uh, oh, I excellent. will say this. I will say this, Max. I'll say, may the best team win, knowing that I have no idea who the best team actually <laughs> is. Right? I, none of us really do. Imagine the gamblers that are that are betting on this. Right? I mean. Uh, let's say we all think we're experts, right? There's five of us here and none of us could wager. I, at least I wouldn't wager my own personal money to say this team is going to win it. But uh, I agree with everybody in that. Nothing would surprise me. I look at, uh, I'm not looking at those play in games, but I'm looking at the best matchup to me in the East Orlando city versus NYCFC. One very good team is going to go out after one game and, my eyes are on Seattle LAFC. I have no idea. You know, everybody has question marks, yeah. right? Everybody has question marks. Like, who will LAFC start in goal in a big game? You know, um, what kind of contribution will, will Carlos Vela make, right? Um, Raul Ruiz Diaz, will he come up big yet again, you know, for Seattle? Uh, for Philadelphia, is Andre Blake going to be healthy to be in the playoffs? If he's not, you know, we go back to our conversation before. There's a big drop. You know, with, with all of these teams, right? I mean, some teams have a very good number one goalkeeper and the number two is is not so bad. But in other cases, you know, there is a big drop. You know, John McCarthy, I saw him in Philadelphia, experienced goalkeeper, but he's not as good as a, a Luis Robles, let's say. But, you know, is John McCarthy going to be the guy that takes a Miami team against Nashville? It's a winnable game, right? And and who goes on from there? So it's, it's anybody's guess who's going to win it. Uh, I said, may the best team win. We don't know who that is, but I would say this to you, asterisk or not, somebody is going to be very proud to have a nice trophy in their case. Philadelphia is not apologizing. They've got their first ever trophy. If they could get a second one, they'll be dancing in the streets in Philadelphia. And if they don't and somebody else gets it, 
they'll be doing a similar dance in their city. <laughs> it's a sure. trophy. Very. What they're playing. It's for. it's it's the biggest trophy we have in North American soccer. Uh, well, at least with regards to United States and Canada. So it has plenty of prestige. And after playing two games a week, everyone's going to be waiting close to two weeks to get it on. Who knows what to expect? All I can say, Christian Jack, JP Della Camera. Nate Bucati and Casey Keller, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. I got a lot smarter just talking to you guys. <laughs> I'm going to reuse what you said and pretend it was in my own voice. Thank you so much, but really appreciate your time. Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review Inside LAFC. We'll have much more great stuff like this. The gentlemen, uh, we appreciate their time, and we'll see you in the postseason.